going to teach a little bit, and I'm going to preach a little bit. <clears throat> we're going to leave here with head knowledge, and we're going to leave here with heart rejuvenation. And I'm, I'm preaching about a priority. Say priority. Say the highest priority. Genesis 33 and verse 13. This is Jacob speaking to his brother Esau. He said unto him, My Lord, this is a term of respect or honor. I need you to know my children are young. They're tender. I've got flocks and I've got herds. And they have, they have young if, if my men push them too hard, they could die. So let my Lord, I pray thee, pass over before his servant. I will lead on softly according as the cattle that goeth before me. It's a lumbering gait. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's not a casual, but it's a, it's a measured walk. And the children be able to endure until I come unto my Lord, unto Seir. I'm, I'm going to see you again. Esau said, let me now leave with thee some of the folk that are with me. And Jacob said, I don't need it. Why would I need it? Let me just find grace in the sight of the Lord. You're my Lord. Just give me grace. So Esau returned that day on his way unto Seir. And Jacob Verse 17, journey to Sukkoth. Now, Sukkoth has a couple of different spellings. Uh, some of it is, uh, they would use the K and without the H, but it's the same word. There's a couple of different spellings of that. It's been changed a little bit in spelling, but it's the same word. He journeyed to Sukkoth and built him a house. Now, also, there are times in the Bible that, that men will come upon a place called something um it happened at bethel but there was no bethel it was just it was kind of after the effect uh, after the after the fact rather um so there could have been a city there was a city um but it it, it, it sukkoth at that moment um might have been named might not have had a name it came later but there was a reason that the Bible included that. He journeyed to Sukkot. He built him a house and made booth for his cattle. Therefore, the name of the place is called Sukkot because that's, it means tents or booths. And Jacob came to Shalem, a city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, when he came before Pateranum and pitched his tent or he set up his place before the city or outside of the city. He was not yet in that uh, place of destination but he had he he was almost there so the scene is pretty simplistic if you if you're looking at it there's a this final conversation and then he's moving slowly and then he sets up this tent uh, on his way catch this now on his way to Canaan Jacob sets up a movable structure movable structure and I preach today Sukkot and all the people said amen it's a high priority. It's the highest priority. Amen. In Jesus' name, everyone said in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word and your anointing. Be alive in this house, Lord. 
and the life that I now live. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me, gave himself for me. Yet not I, Lord, but you. Be now, speak to your people today. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And all the people said amen. And turn to your neighbor and uh, be especially kind to them in whatever way you feel that that is appropriate. For the greater majority, there resides a comfort in fulfilled expectations. The predictable seems far more appealing than the haphazard. But there are arenas in which the analytical mind cannot go. There are places where only faith can take us. By faith... Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, in fact, never seen. He was moved with fear. He prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. Noah believed God. The word was far from the logical mind. But his faith was enough for him to save his family. And as I stand here today to both teach and preach, even in this moment, I pray that you will hear the word and you will begin to build something that is capable of holding and saving your house. The scripture that I gave to you needs a little context. Jacob has come to the crossroads. He's found peace with his brother, a miracle of unspeakable proportions. His visitation with God had been intentional while it left him physically disabled. There was a spiritual enabling. It's been no less than 20 years since Jacob left his father's house. The famed deception of Jacob has, a, has been sealed, but it's long since passed. Esau had stood waiting for the day when he would see him again. The miracle, however, in that moment was that Esau held no hatred towards his brother Jacob. And I wonder how many can say that. And fractions against us have changed the course of many generations of people. Hurts have hounded the minds of men and women like ravaging wolves devoured future peace and prosperity. Years may have garnished both of these men with oxen and sheep and gains of all kinds, but the bitter pill is never healed with time. This is a misnomer of the ages that somehow time or distance will heal. It's not true. Bitterness and wounds, self-afflicted or those cast against us, are not mended by time. The hands of the clock cannot hold such healing. 
20 years prior, Esau was a brother scorned. The last time Jacob saw Esau, the threat of death lay heavy upon him and Jacob ran for his life. But now the decades have called him back. He will take possession of the blessing that his father Isaac bestowed upon him. Jacob will begin to take it in his hands and he will nurture it. And after all these years, his reality of home and country is about to take form. But first, he must face Esau. That was the purpose and intent of Peniel, where he met God face to face. He was preparing himself at Peniel to see the Lord, to arrange his own heart and his spirit, because the resolution of any conflict does not begin with the offended. Begins with the offender. You have to find the offender. <laughs> that's, a, that's a hard one for us. We have to find the offender. And we have to release the offender. Under the law of the Lord, the weight of resolution has always been in consideration for the benefit of the other person. If you bring your offering, he said, <laughs> and your brother has an offense against you, you leave your offering and find him. Hmm. Paul wrote something that is it's far from our American mindset. He said, look not on your own things, but on the things of others. The Bible says, esteem each other better than yourself. The scripture says, honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Be clothed with humility. Hmm. Jacob knew that any possibility of recovery rested on his shoulders. The Lord blessed Jacob by removing his strength. Jacob walked with a limp from that moment on. Jacob felt the touch of God. God touched his thigh, his hip. He took out the strength of his own gait. God gave Jacob a visible weakness, which in turn removed any appearance of arrogance. Think now. It was the removal of flesh that ushered in a spirit of reconciliation. I'm working on the mind of Christ today. I'm training my brain toward a persuasion so I can think like Jesus and see what he sees and hear what he hears and say what he says. Because I watched and was attentive to the Bible study of Sister Shock last Wednesday. I'm working on my persuasion. Did you hear that lesson? Do not come back ever again until you hear that lesson. That's, that's the joke. But if you want to have your mind fixed, you've got to get into the Word. The reason why you're struggling right now with your mind is because you're not in the Word. You are washed, the Bible says, by the water of the Word. Open this book up and read the Word. I feel like I'm, I'm a broken record. Turn off the media and get in the Word. You're struggling because you're not in the Word. You're never going to get His mind until you read His words. But when you start reading his words, you're going to start thinking like him. If there was ever a day for us to start thinking like Jesus, this is the day to think like Jesus. <laughs> I'm very aggressive. Jacob was given a moment of reconciliation with Esau. Perhaps it's greater than any physical healing of sickness or disease is the healing of brothers. There's nothing like it in the whole world. I believe that the place where Jacob was going demanded that moment of reconciliation. You see, God's preparation is beyond compare. All that has happened has the ability, if we let it, to lead our minds into the priority of this life. There is a priority. It's a high priority. It's nothing to play around with. 
This is a high priority in this house today. I'm preaching about it. There is nothing greater than what I'm preaching about today. Now, it may not be a great, well-put-together sermon, but the subject matter is high and lofty. I'll take the long route today to where the Lord leads us. But I feel led to give you a wide lens about this moment in the life of Jacob. We need to see something in our own life. We need to seek the Lord. We need to ask the Lord to show us where he's leading us, what he wants of us. And today we need the word more than our necessary food. I don't want us to rush through our moments. This is bread for the soul, ladies and gentlemen. Pay attention. There are no commercials, except when I tell a joke or sing a song by foreigner. Because we're a stranger and a pilgrim. Watch. You'll wait and watch a movie for two hours to find a mystery. But we're not waiting ten minutes to see a revelation. You'll waste your time on something that has no impact on your soul except maybe to corrupt it. Focus your mind. Take into captivity every thought of your spirit. There is nothing more important than the bread of life. I just felt, I just felt something rise up. It's a, it's a moment of flesh. It's a corrupted flesh. But I'm standing against that spirit that would divide your brain, your mind from the word. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the moment with Esau will pass and Jacob will turn his attention to the promise of the covenant. He, he did everything he could to get it. He's on his way to Canaan and on his way through divine providence, he will find a place called Sukkoth. It means shelters. Think of it now. Jacob is en route. He's on the journey. He's not made it to the land that God promised. So he set up his tent before the city. He's not there. He's on the way. He's on the way, but he has not arrived. He had to leave the river of Jabbok. It might have been a good place for him to live, maybe to set up life, but that was not his destination. While all the herds and people and family, the river could have been a wise choice. But he had stayed, had he stayed in that place, he would have never found the promise. That is the problem. Peaceful resolutions and calm waters have their own allure. Some measure of success or gratification can cloud your mind and limit the movement toward the divine call of God. It is not just financial success or intellectual prowess that binds us. It's not just the pleasantries of friends and family that constrains us. But days of plenty, hear me now, days of plenty, when all is right in your world, even the simple elements which bring satisfaction have the ability to block us and constrain us and take from us the vision of our destination. Houses and land, barns and fields, certificates and degrees, all of the things you see and hold on your hand today are temporary. They shall cease one day. Even knowledge shall cease. Have you thought about this? Paul said there's coming a day when tongues shall cease. Not yet, but it's coming a day. And that is the day when you see Jesus face to face. You can read it in your Bible. So careful not to misinterpret the word of God. We need the infilling of the Holy Spirit. It happened twice in this, in this morning, in this morning service. It is the resurrection. 
Jesus said, you must be born again of the water and the spirit. That's the Bible. It's the evidence of the manifestation through the body. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you cannot make it into eternal life. But if you get too comfortable here, you won't see what's in front of you. Hear me. The high priority is this. Heaven is the goal. Streets of transparent gold. A gate of pearl. The city where the lamb is alight. And nothing is greater than that. I'm preaching today about a temporary world and the eternal home. I'm looking at a morally bankrupt society and an aimless world without answers. But I'm seeing a place beyond this place. And I beg your pardon, but I like that old song. This world is not my home. I'm passing through. And the apostles were convinced of it. Paul wrote, henceforth at the end, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to all them that love his appearing. Peter wrote, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of the Lord wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall be shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless we according to his promise look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Got to get your priorities right. If you feel a little cold from God, it's because your priorities are in the wrong place. I'll do the simplistic thing. Get up, get up in the morning and read your Bible. Have a little time with God. Tell Him that you love Him. Ask Him to lead you. When you wake up in your home, ask the Lord to be in your home. When you, when you wake up on Sunday, make it a priority to be in the house of the Lord on Sunday. You can do whatever you want to do. You will do whatever you want to do. When it's time to give to the missionary or to the building fund or for the sake of the sanctuary, give. You can, you can afford it. You, yes, you, you can't afford not to give. You can afford it. It's just, it's just not doing all the things that you'd like to do. You can, you can make it to heaven if you want to make it to heaven. Just get your spirit right. Just live for the Lord all the days of your life. Don't play games. It's a high priority. In New York City this past year, when lockdowns were demanded and both the mayor and the governor had issued edicts and restrictions, yet the Jewish people of New York once again built their temporary shelters outside of their houses and apartment buildings. Homemade tents and shelters went up everywhere in the Jewish community. Both the governor and the mayor at this time, at that time, had some snide remarks once again. Some had tarps and others had um, stick-built huts. Uh, they were in remembrance of the night when Jacob signified that he was not yet in the land of his inheritance. But more so, it was the memorial to the wanderings of the children of Israel, which had not made it over into the land of Canaan. They moved from location to the location of the wilderness, not yet to the place of their promise, the place that flowed with milk and honey.
Sukkot. They called it Sukkot. Among the seven major feasts of Israel, there are three major ones, but the seven that are noted, um, the most lonesome is that of Sukkot. Passover, which we call Easter, is known throughout the whole world. It commemorates the redemption of the people out of a four-century-long slavery, a bondage. It, it simply means they came by way of the blood, a perfect lamb. Judgment that night was suspended on the night of the Passover, the night of all nights. The people were brought out carrying the wealth of their oppressors, that is Passover. The Feast of Unleavened Bread will make its mark here. It begins on Passover Eve. It will last for seven days because there was no time to prepare for their departure. They had no time to leaven the bread. So they prepared. It is the readiness of people. And Moses will tell them, put away all your leavened bread and the matzah. Your departure is at hand. You're not going to waste your time here. Then the Feast of the First Fruits will enter the scene. It is the called, it is called the Feast of Thanksgiving. First grain. First barley. It's the precedent of God that the first always belongs to the Lord. Even if the sum is the same, the first sum is what, God's, is what God wants. Let me do that again. Even if the sum is the same at the beginning or the ending, it's the first that God wants. The first fruit is your offering, not the last. The first of your day is your obligation, not the end of it. The first of your strength is what Solomon spoke of. Remember your creator in the days of your youth when you have strength and wellness and might. Jesus rose on the first day of the week. I'm giving him my first and my best because Sunday is not the end of a long weekend. It's the first day of the first part of the week. Shavuot is known as the Feast of Weeks. That's 50 days after Passover. The Bible refers to this as Pentecost. It is found at the foothill of Mount Sinai where the tablets of stone were written by God's own hand. And it's found in Acts chapter 2, which was 50 days after the Passover, which was the fulfillment of Ezekiel's prophecy some 650 years prior. God spoke to Ezekiel, a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. I'll give you and heart of flesh. I'll just skip to the end. It's Sukkot, the seventh and final, the last of the three majors. It's called the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles. It is the final fall harvest, a festival. It depicts their temporary dwelling places. Yes, everyone loves Easter with pastels and culminating in the crimson red blood. And Pentecost has been a worldwide phenomenon. Many people have experienced Pentecost. But Sukkot is not well known. And maybe it's because Sukkot is, not, is an affront, rather, to the ambitious plight of people who seek material gain and status and things. Sukkot declares that the world is temporary, that life, this life, is not forever, and that we have not yet arrived. Even the Bible says that the Holy Ghost is the earnest of our inheritance, which implies that our full inheritance is yet to come. I understand investments and preparations and self-control and 401ks. That's just simply called stewardship. But don't mistake these basic disciplines for the security of your eternal soul. The investment into a retirement account is good stewardship, but it's only provisional. It's the investment into your life, your soul, your eternity that really is going to matter. That's why we gather here to every Sunday, Sunday after Sunday, and Wednesday after Wednesday. Why? Because we're making investments into our eternal soul. So 
Sukkot was pressed on the people. They never intended to live in the wilderness. And they didn't want to set up camp there. They didn't want to live by rivers or even in the desert. Canaan was their destination. Sukkot was a temporary shelter. It was built without foundation. Knowing it was not their permanent dwelling place. Sukkot is the insistence that they were still in transit, not yet arrived and unsettled. The destination lay ahead of them. The tent allowed some protection. It was necessary, but it was not indefinite. They knew they were going to move. No need for decor. No need for objects that would bind them to that place. It became the mindset of the children of Israel. Canaan is just ahead. The land that flows with milk and honey is just ahead. No need to live by the cool waters of this temporal world. And today, in New York and many other areas, a memory is cast among them. Tents, temporary dwelling places. It's time, ladies and gentlemen, that you have a suit coat in your own life. Heaven is just beyond you. Please don't tell me that you love your job. It's just a job. You ought to love heaven. Don't tell me that you love your car with all the plastic bumpers and all that mess. Say that you love heaven. Don't tell me about how you love a particular food or a restaurant. No say that you love the word of God have one love let it be Jesus let it be where you're going the Bible says set your affections on things above and not on things of the earth for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God say it I'm dead and my life is hid with Christ in God and when Christ who is our life shall appear then shall we also appear with him in glory I'm living for heaven, not for an amusement park. I'm living for eternal life. And wherever you find yourself, keep it pleasant, keep it clean, (laughs) vacuum, wash the counter, keep it nice, don't destroy what you have, be a good steward of the things you have. Do not get enamored with clothes. If you come to church wearing an outfit that you can't get sweaty or dirty because you've been shouting, then you need to burn that thing because your outfit, your shoes and your pants and your suit and your fine blouse ought never get in the way of your shouting and your worship. If you're so concerned, then I'm going to tell you, you're living for the wrong thing. You got the wrong priority. Uh huh. Mm hmm. We got the wrong priority. That's right. The car doesn't matter. The house doesn't matter. Your clothes doesn't matter. A stain on your outfit doesn't matter. It's not going to last. It doesn't matter anyway because there's a fervent heat coming. It's going to burn up everything. Everything that you see today is going to be gone. I've got my priority right. I've set my affections on things above and not on things of this. That means I love something that's beyond this place. Can I just say this to you? Some of you are going to be healed this year. You're going to be healed of many things. You're, you're going to be delivered of many things. And some of you are going to be in a season of illness. But it's just a season. It's temporary. Everything's fleeting. I would like to say to all the young adults, it's fleeting. All all of the young couples with children, you'll climb out of that someday. 
it's okay. Bring two or three changes of clothes for the baby. We've learned this. We've learned this. It's okay. Change him and get him back in. We're, we're not going to give up this up. Now, don't, don't let anything get in your way. Mm-hmm. It's fleeting. Don't get, don't get too cocky and arrogant about your strength. It'll be gone in time. Don't worry. A bone spur can come up any moment. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shoulder pain. Some of you are going to be like me. I'm making fun of people that had a little back trouble until one day I bent over and threw my back out. And I stopped making fun of people after that. Now I make fun of them on other things, but not, not that particular thing. <laughs> until you're afflicted, you have no idea what they're going through. But just know we're praying for you, and it's a season, and God's going to bring you through it. And sorrow and loss and suffering and heartache is going to be a, akin to this temporal life. That doesn't mean God left you. just means you're on a crash course to something else. And you're going to go somewhere else. So do not put a foundation here. And don't put all your investments down here. Because heaven is the goal. It's a high priority. I challenge everyone who reads. I read every day. I'm challenging you. I'm a reader. I wasn't always a reader, but I read all the time. And I like to, I like to gain that. But I'm concerned if the church is more passionate about educational life and sporting life than they are about eternal life. Take care of your money. Be a good steward. Debt equals lust. You didn't need it to begin with. No one cares. Stop buying things to impress people you don't like with money you don't have. <laughs> I'm in your business now. I'm, I feel like I just got in your business. I'm, I'm very bold today. I'm feeling very bold today. I got courage. And I hope it's not misplaced. <laughs> you can shoot me later, but I just want to tell you, get out of debt. It's time to start giving to God and start giving to Amazon. Pray that when you die, that you die saved. Now the Lord can heal you and raise you back up. But somebody needs to tell Lazarus to keep his grave clothes. They fit very well. They're custom. And he was going to die again. So the thing that you got to worry about is not death. It's about what happens after death. It's about being baptized in the only saving name of Jesus Christ. It's about being filled with the, the beautiful gift of the Holy Ghost, which is in the Bible. That's the Bible. I want to be filled with His Spirit. Amen. Sickness and illness and disappointments, all of it are here, and they'll come your way, and they may go away. And young men and young ladies, just let me tell you, live for the Lord. Stay pure. Don't give away your, your purity. Don't do that. Every time that a young person gives away their purity, they put a skeleton in their closet, and you'll have to deal with that the rest of your life. I say to you, it's better never to marry than to marry the wrong person. What's your priority? you got to get to heaven. If you do marry someone, marry someone that will help you get to heaven. Now, if they've got money, that's, that, that's attractive. 
if they look good, that's attractive. If they can sing, that's attractive. But none of that stuff really matters. If you're going to get married, marry someone that will help you get into your eternal life. You've got to get there. If you're going to have, watch, Pastor, if you're going to have a friend, do not have a friend that will drag you down. Have a friend that will lift you up. Have a friend that says, we got to get to heaven. If you're going to have a conversation, don't have a conversation about what's wrong. Have a conversation about what's right with God. How, how are we doing? Are we doing okay? Everybody all right? I'm just going to stand here and preach. I got till four o'clock today. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to get to heaven. We're going to get to heaven. We're going to live Sukkot. This is a temporary frame. Your body is a, is a tent. It will waste away. One day it will waste away. It's not your tent that's going to matter. It's what's inside of your tent. The hope of glory. Amen. Here's the Bible. Where your heart is, your treasures will be there also. The treasure is the leading indicator of your heart. Which means that wherever you place it, that's the place where you're focused. Let me do that again. The placement of your treasure is the heading of your life. Your future is found in the setting of things that you have invested in. And as a leader, my only confidence in the stability of the body comes when I hear these words from the saints, which was best spoken by our esteemed elder who has gone on to be with the Lord, resting. David said it, my heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. That means nothing's changing my heart. I have settled it. I'm ready for heaven. There are people that you're going to see there, but none are greater than Jesus Christ, the righteous. I can hear those words, not verbatim, but I hear them by your faithful attendance every day that you come here. I hear them by your consistent lifestyle and giving. I see them, fixed hearts, right direction, tent dwellers. That's what we are. When I see the worship from the saints, those people who have been lost and now recovered. I thank God for it. It is the joy of my life. My heart is fixed. I'm a tent dweller. Sukkot is my outlook. We celebrate Passover. It marked the redemption of our soul. And we rejoice at Pentecost. It is the new covenant written in the tablets of our heart. It's the resurrection power alive in us. But we live every day in Sukkot. Knowing that the world is not our home. I want you to get a little taste of heaven. I need a taste test. And the taste test is the Holy Spirit. It's the worship. It's the dancing before the Lord. It's the joy of the body of Jesus Christ. It's the singing. It's when the angels cry, holy, holy. It's when the saints cry, holy, holy is the Lamb of God. Glory and honor and power belong to the Lamb of God. I will say, we've all tasted vacations. Praise God. New clothes, that's good. Maybe some good cooking, yes. Some have unexpected bonuses and some have unexpected blessings. But nothing is like heaven. You've got to make it to heaven. Heaven. 
heaven. I've got to go to heaven. I've got to go to heaven. Before you do anything, you say, is this going to lead me to heaven? Or is this going to drag me down? Is this going to inhibit me? Or is this going to help me? I've got to make it to heaven. Hear me. Some of you need to shed some attitudes that are in your life. You're killing your families. You're killing your children. You're killing your marriage because you got a bad spirit. And that spirit is, is devouring you. You've got to make it to heaven. So put on joy. Put, put all that bad stuff down and put on joy and put on the Holy Ghost and get back to your first love. You've got to make it to heaven. You cannot be lost. It doesn't matter what it looks like. You cannot be lost. You've got to make it to heaven. If you get anything right in this life, get this right. Nothing is going to separate me from being saved. Nothing. Nothing's going to separate me from making it into eternal life. If you have anything to boast of, boast in the Lord. Nothing is going to separate me. No pleasures of this world. No artifacts. No gains. Some months ago, someone passed away. Tammy and I stood in our kitchen with tears in our eyes. And she said to me, Forever! Sealed forever. You cannot go back forever. Ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. I hope you don't, but if you need to live penniless, make it to heaven. If you need to live lonely and friendless, you get in this altar. If not one single soul shakes your hand and greets you, don't ever stop coming to this house. You make it to heaven. If people around you wound you and talk ill of you, you're not the first person. You got to make it to heaven. If you don't understand everything, you keep coming until God gives you a revelation. But if he never gives you a revelation, you live by obedience. If understanding comes to you, praise God. If you see, understand, and you see and understand things, praise God. But live by obedience. You've got to make it to heaven. If you are afflicted, and you have haunting memories in your past that you just can't seem to get rid of, no matter how many times you pray, you say, Lord, someday when I get there, I'm going to have a new body. I'm going to have a new mind. Every tear is going to be wiped away. Every anguish is going to be wiped away. I can't wait to get to heaven. I can't wait till the Lord comes back and splits the eastern sky. I cannot wait until I get a crown. I'm going to have a new body. I'm not going to have cancer. I'm not going to have a backache. I'm not going to have money problems. I got to get there. And this is just a temporary dwelling place. It's too coach. It's temporary. 
Now, many people think that they're going to find they're going to find their favorite person or the person they loved and lost. I'm going to tell you, your, your priority is going to be different. It's, it's going to be different because there's, there's not even, there's no marriage or giving in marriage in heaven. You're not going to be married in heaven. Don't, don't shout for joy now. Don't. Not, it's none of that because you're going to be, you're going to be like him. You're going to see him face to face. But after about 10,000, 10,000 years of us dancing around the throne, heaven, I got a little taste of heaven. What's the next line, Scotty? I want to go where the milk and honey flows. I want to get to heaven. Well, are you worried about the economy? No, I got to get to heaven. My faith is not in the stock market. My faith is not in crypto. My faith is not in the 401k. My faith is in Jesus Christ. I got to get to heaven. I got to go to heaven. You got to get there. Please stand now. Mm. It's temporary. It's a tent. It's not meant to be esteemed. There is something beyond this place. I want us to get heaven in our vision. I want us to be looking for him. The glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus. I've stood before what is known as the Wailing Wall, and it's the Western Wall that was built um, by the Tetrarch. Uh, actually, it was Herod, I believe, that would uh, the great of his father. It um, it's the last and true standing wall where worship is allowed. It's the would be the closest location underneath a small tunnel to the close location where the temple once stood. I've been there many times. In the crevices of the massive stone, some are three tons in weight. In the crevices, there are a few branches that have grown out and some foliage. It dies and comes back. In those crevices where a tall man can reach, as high as he can reach, are small pieces of paper with prayer requests that are folded and then and then stuck inside the crevices of that massive wall. There are thousands of them, perhaps even on a weekly basis. When it's cleaned, the rabbis and their constituents come, they gather all of that. They're not burned or thrown away. They're put into jars, some clay, some glass. When you go there, it is a respectful moment, but there are men that are dancing, some in circles, some grasping arms for all of these many years millions of people have gone to the western wall 
I've been there many times, and each time that I go, I only have one prayer request. The paper that I have is small. So when you have a small piece of paper and you have limited space to write, you write what's most important. You don't ask God to fix your carburetor or to give you a 50-cent raise. If you have one prayer request to write on a very small piece of paper to fold up and put inside the hands of the Lord. You might not even pray that God would heal you of your affliction. Because you only have one shot. And here's my one prayer. Let me be saved. Save my wife. Save my children. Every time. I don't have to think about what it's going to be. I don't have to mull over in my mind, what should I pray about now? I don't say, well, last year I prayed about that. No, that's the ongoing prayer every time. If those men have collected my prayer, and if you could find them, it's the same prayer every time. I need to be saved. Don't let me miss the rapture. I've got to be saved. I want to go to heaven. Save my family. Save my wife. Save my children. That's all that matters. It's a high priority. Now we're going to pray your prayer. You have one prayer to pray. You have one life to live. What will this prayer be today? Lift up your hands and pray the prayer that you know that you need to pray today. I want to say it now. Don't get sidetracked on temporary prayers and things that are going to fade away. Pray the prayer. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, <sighs> clean my heart so that I could be saved. Clean my mind so I can be saved. You have one prayer. Come on, write it on your little piece of paper. Fold it up. Fold it up. Put it in the hands of God. Come on, do it. Do it. Do it right now. Do it. I've got to be saved. I've got to be saved. Now look a little deeper. you got to get rid of some things. It's, today is the day to get rid of a few things out of your life and out of your mind. I want you to put all those grudges and bitterness and pain into the hands of God. I want, this is what you do. I'm, I'm giving up all of the offenses. I'm giving them up. They're not worth it. They're not worth my salvation. Yes, I feel it resonating in this house. I feel it resonating in this house. Come on now. We're going to give our best to God. This next few years, if the Lord tarries, I don't even know if he's going to tarry. We're going to give our days and our months and our weeks. We're going to give our hours to God. Uh, you need to lay something down here at this altar that's inhibiting you from heaven and you know it's in your way you know it's in your way don't have pride don't let your pride inhibit you and crush you you have got to give up all of that so that you can make it